Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am your host, Adam A. Donaldson. Joining me today is, well, the sounds of the season. Welcome to your Christmas edition of End Credits. What does that mean? Well, uh, as, as we did last year, it means we're going to play some Christmas hits from your favorite holiday movies. Meaning music from your favorite holiday movies. Perhaps I have not made that clear. Uh, that is the point of our show today as uh, the gang takes a much-needed respite before next week's epic year-end show. So stay tuned for that. But stay tuned for our show this week, because it's still pretty good. End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We are here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be our 10 favorite Christmas tunes from Christmas movies. Uh, We don't usually do a lot in the way of, um, let's say, music-heavy programming here on the End Credits show. Uh, it is a lot of talk, a lot of talking, usually a lot of talking by me. Anyway, uh, the Christmas episode here is kind of a way we can just sit back and relax and, you know, enjoy some Christmas sounds. And I know that's not always necessarily popular. I mean, the amount of people who complain bitterly about all the Christmas music in all the stores and on all the radio stations and iHeartRadio and curses to them and all that stuff. Not exactly very charitable or Christmassy, but, I mean, I understand the frustration. Which is why putting together this list, there is sort of an eye to, uh, I don't know, um, try and change things up and not necessarily go for, like, the poppy music kind of thing. To go for some, like, really old standards. We dip in a little, uh, sounds like old times territory with, with this special... I also think a lot of these songs are um, favorites, even if they, you, you hear them piping. I think it's the collectivity of being bombarded with Christmas music for eight hours if you're one of the poor people who works in a retail setting. I think that's what drives you crazy. But if you don't typically spend all day listening to Christmas music and you want to take an hour out of your day to listen to some Christmas music and listen to a little bit of the uh, movie significance of some of these choices... You could do better, or I should say you can do worse, than this upcoming hour of end credits in which you are currently listening. So, uh, leaving all that aside, shall we start to dig into the musical Christmas selection of this episode of end credits? And so we're going to start off with something unusual, which is a 2017 film called Anna and the Apocalypse, which is a zombie apocalypse musical romantic comedy that is set at Christmas. And it's set in Scotland, and almost all the characters are Scotland, or are Scottish. Um, It was directed by John McPhail, but it was based on a small uh, short film uh, by a man named Ryan McHenry, who unfortunately died of cancer. Ryan McHenry became very well known for this Vine channel, uh, where he... (laughs) <laughs> tried to feed cereal to uh, uh, the TV image of Ryan Gosling, and he, Ryan Gosling would turn away right before uh, Ryan McHenry would get him to hold the cereal, the spoonful of cereal up to the screen. It was a thing. Uh, ten years ago, 
<laughs> uh, but Ryan McHenry is also a very talented writer and actor and singer and songwriter, and he came up with this thing called Anna and the Apocalypse, uh, which came out in 2017, sadly after Ryan McHenry died. But this is the first song from that, which is called Turning My Life Around, which um, is, you know, Anna and the, the male lead, John, they are both feeling upbeat. They're both getting out there. They're very excited about what the new day holds. What they don't notice around them, though, is that there's a zombie apocalypse happening. There's smoke on the horizon. There's people running and screaming from zombies in the streets. And... Uh, they're just having a really great day. And I feel like this will set a tone. This will set a general tone for the uh, the hour uh, and for the year that we've had that, um, you know, it's it's felt like we that at times we want to go running out and screaming in the streets, but we need to stay positive. So here is Turning My Life Around from Anna and the Apocalypse. <laughs> For number nine, uh, an oldie but a goldie, uh, a new take on a classic, I should say, because it's going to be performed by the Misfits, who are really, um, as a band, take this great pleasure in, in doing these uh, hard rock remixes of <laughs> you know classic tunes from the 50s and 60s. It seems to be their jam. Um, this song is You're a Mean One of Mr. Grinch, which you hear on the radio all the time at, at Christmas. Maybe not the Misfits version, but you hear the classic one from the Chuck Jones-produced, Boris Karloff-narrated 
Christmas special that was um, first released in 1966. Chuck Jones, of course, was the man who was basically the godfather for the Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny, and all that. Um, Boris Karloff was the man select, famous for playing Frankenstein, the mummy, and, and various other creatures. Um, what's interesting, though, is a lot of people think that Boris Karloff sang the original song. He did not. Thurl Ravenscroft uh, actually sang the You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch song in the original animated special. Um, a lot of people think it's Boris Karloff, though, because uh, uh, Ravenscroft goes on uncredited in the credits. You don't see his name anywhere. So a lot of people, because of the deep baritone and <laughs> the fact that Boris Karloff is uh, the voice of the Grinch in it as well, um, a lot of people think it's Karloff. It's not. It's this man named Thule Ravens Ravenscroft, who was a, a singer and a songwriter in his own right, a performer. Um, he also was the voice of Tony the Tiger. He was the original voice of Tony the Tiger. So that is interesting um, that you have this guy, <laughs> this commercial, this crass commercialized crossover in the middle of this anti-consumerist message and how the Grinch stole Christmas. Written written originally by Doctor Seuss in 1957, uh, the song "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch" made it as high as 49 on the Billboard Hot 100, and it won a Grammy for the best children's song that year in 1967. Uh, so, it, I mean, it's such a... One of the reasons why the song was included in the special in the first place was because, it, you know, it padded the the special. The the original How the Grinch Stole Christmas is, you know, not that long a book. So, you know, think about how you would pad that out in a, in a 25-minute TV special. It... it you know that that was kind of the whole point, and now it's it's so closely associated with special. There's a um, how you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch musical number in both the live action 2000 uh, Grinch movie by Ron Howard, and then the animated remake uh, that was released in 2017 that featured the voice of Benedict Cumberbatch as the Grinch. So, the Misfits, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as ugly as Cactus, as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. Touch you with a very nine and a half a gold. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have curved my tin, your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch. Between the two of you, I. You're a foul one, Mr. Grinch. You're a nasty, lusty 
famous words that best describe you. Stink! Stink! That brings us to number eight, and it's another golden oldie, White Christmas. Um, we're going to play a version that was sung by Otis Redding. Uh, but it, the funny thing about White Christmas is um, it was not written for the movie White Christmas, which came out in 1954. It was written for a movie called Holiday Inn, which came out in 1942. Um, although it also starred Bing Crosby, who had also starred in White Christmas. And then years later, Irving Berlin came upon the idea of like, hey, remember that White Christmas song that everybody loved? Actually, Irving Berlin thought it was the best song he ever did. And maybe maybe beyond the best song he ever did, but the best song anyone would ever do. Um, I, I will leave that to the fates to decide. Uh, but... Um, it won the Oscar for Best Original Song in 1942 as part of this movie called Holiday Inn. And then Berlin had the great idea, like, we're going to make a White Christmas movie where it is basically it builds up to the end with the singing of White Christmas. Because the whole concept of White Christmas is that uh, Danny Kaye and Big Crosby meet up with these two sisters um, played by Vera Allen and uh, Rosemary Clooney. And they're on the train to... Connecticut to enjoy some some snow and some fun in the snow at Christmas time, and they get there and there's no snow. Um, <laughs> uh, good old mirth making. Anyway, uh, f- funny bit of uh, trivia about um, White Christmas is that uh, Bing Crosby was asked later in life um, about his feelings on this song, which was so closely associated with him, even though it's sold 50 million copies and it's been covered by god knows how many bands but he was asked about white christmas and he said that the most um emotional time he performed the song was he was with a a uso show that performed white christmas to uh gis in northern france in december 1944 and it was just a couple of days before the battle of the bulge the last great german offensive in world war ii and of course a lot of those gis who were in the audience in uh, December 1944 to hear him perform White Christmas uh, ended up being killed in action. So, very soulful song that, you know, with a, with a, a hopeful tone, but at the same time, um, kind of a depressing history, too, uh, in some respects. So let's listen to Otis uh, lay, lay down the track. <laughs> Little bitty, little bitty, little bitty children 
they are trying to listen to hear hear for the sleigh bells that are ringing in the snow I want to tell you one more time what I'm thinking about I, I, I dreaming of a wild Christmas day So our next song is uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I selected the Alice Cooper cover because why not have Alice Cooper on at Christmas time? <laughs> Even Alice Cooper does a Christmas album. Anyway. Um, so Santa Claus is Coming to Town, it was written in 1934, it was performed on the radio, and it was uh, released on a, as a single shortly thereafter. It, it comes out in the middle of the Depression, when obviously there's not a lot to be particularly thankful for at a Christmas time, a lot of people out of work, a lot of people homeless. Not entirely dissimilar to what's going on right now with the pandemic, so... Um, it, it it it's upbeat and uh it's fun and uh you know santa claus is coming it's great <laughs> um uh so i mean th- this song also has a long history of being played and replayed uh they even built a christmas special around it a rankin and bass christmas special and you may not know the name rankin and bass but you certainly know their work when it comes to christmas time they made rudolph um, and they made the little drummer boy as well. So uh, in 1970, which is kind of like the, the completion of their sort of Christmas trilogy in, in the 60s, they made uh, a TV special called Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which was basically the the prequel um, to <laughs> to Rudolph because it's about Santa's origins. Fred Astaire, uh, the great Hollywood song and dance man, was the voice of Santa, young Santa, uh, young ginger Santa, I should say. Um, in, in that film, or in that Christmas special, I should say. Uh, I, I included this because Santa Claus is Coming to Town is kind of the climactic uh, song in the 2003 movie Elf, which I think a lot of people might agree may be the last great Christmas classic. Um, the last time like a, like a movie came out and became like a Christmas classic, like in the rotation every Christmas. It's, it's hard to think of another movie... Um, that has come out since then that would will will own that classic status like alongside of you know Christmas Vacation and Christmas Story and Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life and all of those. So in Elf, as you may remember, um, Santa's sled crashes, the engine is broke. Santa's sled's been using an engine for years because uh, the Christmas spirit just isn't there anymore, and it is up to 
Buddy the Elf to try and save the day and get the engine fixed so that the sled can take off again. Um, but uh, <laughs> Buddy the Elf is no Scotty. Uh, let's just say that. I don't mean Scotty Hertz. I mean Scotty from Star Trek. Um, but the 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 scene ends up with the, this elf, uh, not this elf, but she she's, works as an elf at the department store at, at Gimbel's, uh, played by Zoe Deschanel, who's become Buddy's love interest. She leads the crowd in a rousing uh, rendition of Santa Claus is Coming to Town to get the Christmas spirit up so that the sleigh can take off again. Um, would people be as similarly stirred by Alice Cooper? I don't know, but let's find out. S A N T A C L A W S Santa Claus. Watch out, you better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why, Santa Claus is coming to town, oh, he's making a list, checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty and nice, Santa Claus is coming to town, he sees you when you're sleeping. So be good for goodness sake So you better watch out You better not cry Better not pout I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming To town Your town He knows where you live He knows that your window's open what lives under your bed So that brings us to um, something I, I wasn't necessarily going to fit in with any particular movie, but it, it is uh, from, let, let's call it the CanCon portion of the show. Uh, on the 1981 album, comedy album, The Great White North, uh, Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis would play the Canadian uh, brothers, Bob and Doug McKenzie, do this rendition of The Twelve Days of Christmas. Much in keeping with a lot of the 
Mackenzie brother gags on C- on NSC TV. It was largely improvised. Uh, if if you know the history of SCTV, it moved around a lot on Canadian channels, but it was syndicated in the United States. And because um, there were more commercials on American syndicated TV than there were on the CBC, um, CBC demanded that the producers of SCTV come up with a couple of ex- two extra minutes of content for each episode. They also asked that it be like sort of explicitly Canadian. <laughs> so Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis are, are told this and they come up with Bob and Doug McKenzie and they basically get dressed up. They, they, they decorate the set and then they come and they just start firing off these two minute segments of the great white North Canadian corner um, where, where they just kind of riff off each other in, in these personas. So, I mean, talk about, you know, you want to be the best script writer in the world. Sometimes it just pays to be the best improviser in the world because then you create a character that's like so indelible and you put like 15 minutes of work into, into the entire process and you, and people are still talking about it 40 years later. So let's, ha- let's have a listen to Bob and Doug. Okay, now this is our Christmas song in case you don't know what to get somebody for Christmas. There's lots of ideas in here, so listen and don't get stuck. By the way, that's me on the organ. You start. Okay. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a beer. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtlenecks and a beer. Okay, good. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French toasts, two turtlenecks and a beer. gave to me four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. See, you need yeah. more. A fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden toques, four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Okay, on the sixth, two golden Christmas, my true love gave to me six packs of two for five golden toques four pounds of back bacon three french toast two turtleneck and a beer in a tree okay on the seventh day of christmas my true love gave to me seven packs of smoke and shit oh six packs of two five golden toques four pounds of back bacon three french toast two turtlenecks and a beer in a tree this should just be the two days of Christmas. It's too hard for us. Um, go home. Oh, the eight day days of Christmas. Drew gave to me eight comic books, seven, seven packs of smokes, six packs of two, four, five. Okay, day uh, 12. Good day, and welcome to day 12. Yeah. Golden toots, four pounds of bag, baby, three French toast, two turtleneck, and a beer in a dream. Where did you learn to do that? Uh, albums? Bonus. So, like, that's our song. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, and good day. Good day. Happy New Year.
All right, so that was Bob and Doug McKenzie, and this seems like a good time to take uh, a break from the Christmas list. Um, I was trying to think of, like, could we be a bit more culturally diverse in some of the Christmas song offerings? I know that's kind of counterintuitive, but then I remembered in 1994, on Saturday Night Live, Adam Sandler introduced the world to the Hanukkah song, a celebration of Jewishness and people you may know, celebrities who are also Jewish, to help that kid who maybe feel alone uh, at Christmas time because he's a Jewish kid um, celebrating Hanukkah instead. He, he the, the message is he has some pretty great company. And so Adam Sandler released the song. Uh, it became part of one of his comedy albums too. And then he would later use it as the basis for this animated film from his Happy Madison production company called Eight Crazy Nights, Eight Crazy Nights being a line in the song. Some point along the way, Neil Diamond said, I'm going to put that on my next Christmas album. So here is Neil Diamond doing the Hanukkah song. You are listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus, and Community Radio. There are so many beautiful Christmas songs around and so few Hanukkah songs. So I thought we'd try this one for you. Put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah. So much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah, yeah. Hanukkah is the festival of lights. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. When you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a list of people who are Jewish, just like you and me. David Lee Roth lights the menorah. So do James Conkirk Douglas and the late Dinah Shora. Guess who eats together at the Carnegie Deli? Bowser from Shanana and Arthur Fonzarelli. Paul Newman's half Jewish, Goldie Hawn is too. Put them both together, what a fine looking Jew. You don't have to deck the halls with Jingle Bell Rock. Cause you can spin a dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock Both Jewish Put on your yarmulke Here comes Hanukkah So much Hanukkah To celebrate Hanukkah O.J. Simpson Not a Jew But guess who is Hall of Famer Rod Carew We got Ann Landers and her sister, dear Abby Harrison Ford's a quarter Jewish Not too shabby Some people think That Ebenezer Scrooge is Well, he's not, but guess who is? All three Stooges So many Jews Are on my list Tom Cruise isn't But Jesus Christ is I wanted this to be professional. 
Efficient, adult, cooperative, not a lot to ask. Alas, your Mr. Takagi did not see it that way, so he won't be joining us for the rest of his life. We can go anywhere you want. You can walk out of here or be carried out. But have no illusions. We are in charge. So, decide now, each of you. And please remember, we have left nothing to chance. And we're back, and we're back with the top five of our movie Christmas song list. I don't even know what to call this. I mean, it, it, you know, when I started jotting down notes for this, it, it, it seemed to make sense. And but now that I'm actually performing it here, uh, uh, a couple of days before Christmas, um, yeah, whatever. So picking up where we left off at number five, I have "Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow," which. I chose because it is the end credit song for the first two Die Hard movies. Interestingly, um, because Die Hard 1 takes place in Los Angeles, um, there is no snow. Die Hard 2 takes place at a, in Washington, D.C. in a snowstorm. So um, it is very pertinent. <laughs> Even though at, at, the end, at the end of Die Hard 2, the snowstorm is over. But um, in Die Hard 1... Uh, because it's in LA, no snow. And I mean, it is interesting when you think about the origins of the song, which are were written by Sammy Calm and uh, Jewel Sin. Uh, they wrote it in the summer in 1945 during one of the worst heat waves in California. And I guess they were sitting around thinking, boy, wouldn't it be great if we could just cool down? <laughs> um, and uh, And then... Thusly, they came up with Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. Uh, these guys, it, Let It Snow is probably their most famous song. Um, Sin wrote Broadway musicals. He wrote Gypsy, Funny Girl, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Uh, Calm wrote a lot for the Rat Pack. So, I mean, these guys knew their musical bits, but I mean, probably just gen you generally don't hear their stuff on oldies radio is what I'm trying to get at. Um Vaughn Monroe, who sang the song, and perhaps most famously sang the song, um, he was a well-known singer, band leader, trumpeter, uh, he was also a, a well-known businessman, and this is probably his biggest hit. So let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight, 
going out in the storm. But if you really hold me tight, all the way home I'll be warm. The fire is slowly dying, and my dear, we're still goodbye. But as long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. So next on our list is Jingle Bell Rock. It is the song that opens Lethal Weapon, which is another unconventional Christmas movie, although it, it became a signature of then-screenwriter, now-screenwriter-director Shane Black to set his movies at Christmas time. He did it with Lethal Weapon. Uh, he would do it later with uh, The last, the, the Long Kiss Goodnight, uh, with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, even with Iron Man 3. And then uh, the prologue in The Nice Guys takes place at Christmas time. I think half the reason why The Predator failed is because it wasn't set at Christmas time. That may just be me, though. The original Jingle Bell Rock was recorded in 1957, and uh, it's one of the, I don't know where it is in the mix in terms of like the first songs that feature electric guitar, probably pretty far down the list, but in terms of like Christmas music, one of the first ones, to, I, I, I would bet, bet my lunch on it, <laughs> it's one of the first to feature uh, electric guitar rather prominently, along with like the usual bells and, and things. And it's interesting, if you listen, if you go back and watch Lethal Weapon and you see the beginning of Lethal Weapon, um, the scene where Amanda um, climbs up on the balcony uh, and contemplates going over, uh, you can hear the, the sleigh bells in the soundtrack. Even though it, it's it's funny because Lethal Weapon starts off with this horrible way with this person seemingly jumping off a balcony. But, you know, the the film opens with this pan across the Los Angeles skyline to Jingle Bell Rock. And it makes you feel a little good. And then it gets into this really sad crime. And then it gets right into this circumstance of this crazy person who, you know, and Milt Gibson's recent personal history... Uh, probably reflects badly in retrospect but you know this person who's who's uh, also suffering um because of the the death of his wife uh anyway there's something weird about there's something weirdly cynical when you think about die hard and lethal weapon both set at christmas time here we are in the 80s the peak of consumerism uh consumerist society run amok the era of the mall to supremacy in in the retail landscape, and here we have like the two most cynical uh, Christmas movies ever made in the form of Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. But anyway, let's let Bobby Helms tell the story with Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock, Jingle Bells swing and Jingle Bells ring. Snowing and blowing up bushels of fun Now the jingle hop has begun Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle 
jingle bell rock, jingle bells chime and jingle bell time, dancing and prancing in jingle bell square. In the frosty air, what a bright time! It's the right time to rock the night away. Gliding in the one horse sleigh, giddy up, jingle horse, pick up your feet, jingle up around the clock, mix and a mingle in the jingle and feet. That's the jingle bell rock. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell chime and jingle bell time, dancing and prancing. So we're going to bring it down a notch now. Uh, It's not necessarily a Christmas song, but it is featured in one of my favorite Christmas movies, which is the 1951 British version of A Christmas Carol starring Alistair Sim. This song, uh, Barbara Allen, is is probably the most famous version of it, uh, although it's a well-known traditional folk song. Um, this, This version is sung by Joan Baez. It was on her second album ever, Joan Baez Volume 2, um which I guess is a follow-up to Joan Baez, Volume 1. Uh, and it came out in 1961. Um, the song Barbara Allen, as I said, it's a traditional, a traditional folk song, and it's about this woman who um, basically rejects this guy on her deathbed, be- uh, on his deathbed, because he rejected her before. And she ends up feeling bad uh, about that, and then dies herself from sort of shame and regret and um, is buried next to that boy um, in the cemetery. And uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of symbolism there. And then in A Christmas Carol, um, the song is being sung at uh, Fred's house. Uh, Him and his new wife have guests over for Christmas and they're standing around the piano singing the song. And Ebenezer Scrooge comes in, and this is after he's visited by the ghost, so he's the changed man. Um, Of course, because the song is filled with regret, it's very pointed, because at this point, Ebenezer Scrooge himself is full of regret. He's gone into the past, and he saw that uh, his his sister's last last wish on her deathbed was that Ebenezer would raise her son and be a part of his life. Um even though she died, and of course the exact opposite happened. Uh, Ebenezer Scrooge utterly refused to uh, be a part of Fred's life and refused to acknowledge his marriage to this woman who Scrooge considered was below their station. Of course, Scrooge was also um, 
living through like a bit of revictimization himself because his mother died in a similar circumstances, giving birth to him, and his father blamed Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, for the death of his mother and in his father's wife and of course he was just sort of repeating that cycle and then at the end of the movie um, visiting Fred and his wife in their home for Christmas um, the, the cycle is broken it's a very sweet song it's a very tender song and Bob Dylan said he wouldn't have a career without it so here is Barbara Allen and Joan Baez Twas in the all were swelling sweet William on his deathbed lay for love of Barbara Allen he sent his servant to the town to the place where she Saddish themes. Uh, we're, we're coming here to the end. This is number two. It is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which is prominent in a couple of different Christmas movies. It, it, it was written in 1942 for Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, and then it's it's featured in Home Alone as well. Um, in, in the 1942 film, it, it, Judy Garland sings it. Um, she sings it for her her character, Esther, for her younger sister, Tootie. Um, 
the, the family is contemplating a move to New York, but they are from St. Louis, Missouri. They love that town. It represents a huge move for them, and uh, because they're they're concerned about that and and what that means for the family and all the people they're leaving behind in St. Louis, the life they're leaving behind in St. Louis. It's kind of a you know, next year um, will be better. <laughs> you know, we're right now we're dealing with this thing, and we're trying to get through it. And next year, uh, we will um, we, we will feel a bit better about Christmas time and and being together again. Uh, interestingly, I mean, there was some friction on set because uh, Hugh Martin, who uh, wrote the song, uh, well. <laughs> matter matter of some disagreement, Hugh Martin said he wrote the thing all by himself, and that uh, Ralph Blaine kind of stole co-credit on it. But apparently, there was some conflict on set because the the lyrics were actually initially much more depressing, and both Judy Garland and the director Vicente Minnelli uh, both went to the songwriters and said, "You know, can we can we pep this up a bit? Maybe not make it so sad." And this is the end result. This version is sung by Mel Torme, and I could go on and on about Mel Torme uh, and his litany of, of appearances on Night Court over the years, but I won't. Uh, let's just run the song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Seems appropriate. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, troubles will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay From now on your troubles will be miles away Once again, as in olden days, happy golden days of yore, loving friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more. From now on, we all will be together. Till then we'll have to muddle through somehow So have yourself a merry little Christmas now
sort of wrap things up, um, this is not just a Christmas song. It is, <laughs> uh, or, or it's, it's actually not just a New Year's song, although we do associate it so so much with the New Year. Old Lang Syne, which uh, many of us would be hard pressed to remember the lines to, aside from maybe the first two lines. Uh, it, a bit of a weird history with this because it's often attributed to Robbie Burns. However, did Robbie Burns write it or did Robbie Burns kind of like write it down because he apparently got it from this old man. It's this old kind of folk poem that was put to this, uh, put to the tune of this older folk song. It's kind of like this Frankenstein monster of a, of a folk song. Like it was passed down through the ages, but it really kind of wasn't. And like Robbie Byrne and others kind of turned it into this, um, this tradition, this thing that we always sing every New Year when it's time to um, say goodbye. It's uh, it's be- it's fairly closely associated, of course, with It's a Wonderful Life because at the end they sing it in tribute to George Bailey, um, whom his brother calls the richest man in town. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, not really a Christmas movie itself, and I believe it was released in the summer in 1947. I don't believe it was released at Christmas, but it's one of those films that because it's on every Christmas, was sort of reclaimed and turned into a holiday classic. It was uh, technically a box office bomb when it came out. It was Frank Capra's like first big movie back from the war. And, uh, you know, it bombed and only to be reclaimed sort of later. And now we consider it a classic. So let's, uh, let's toast George Bailey, Old Lang Syne. And of course, because it's Christmas, we gotta, we gotta have Bing Crosby. So we'll let Bing Crosby take it away. Should all acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should all acquaintance be forgot and days of old lands That is the end of our top 10 list. Thank you, Bing. Thank you, everybody. I would like to point out that if you would like to listen to any of these songs in full without my obnoxious ramblings, they are available in a playlist on Spotify. Just search for End Credits Christmas, and uh, you can listen to all the songs again, or you can drag and drop them to your own playlist if you so choose, and and I would encourage you, because, you know, good Christmas music is good Christmas music. Don't take my word for it. But if you want to take my word for it, there is a playlist for that. (laughs) 
So Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, hope you have a good holiday, however you're celebrating, or if you are celebrating at all. Maybe if you just want to enjoy a nice holiday break. Uh, glad tidings to you. And that is it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. And if you want to listen to it again, you can find it on our website at endcreditsradioshow.com. You can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean. Or you can get it through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And also for any time of year, if you want to find the music from End Credits, search End Credits on CFRU on Spotify. That is literally hours of non-Christmas... Actually, I shouldn't say non-Christmas music, because I believe there are a few pieces of Christmas music in there as well. Uh, sorry to ruin your holiday. Anyway, uh, if you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. I will be back here tomorrow at 5 p.m. for News and Politics and Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson. Or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We will be back next Wednesday for our top five year-end show, which we do every year. So come back for that next Wednesday at 3 p.m. And until then, we'll see you next time.